Okay, so as always, there is a fucking mountain of shite rattling around in my head, and I'm going to try and explore some of it here now. This whole thing, I think, is going to be loosely based around what are called sacred cows. Now, according to the internet, a sacred cow is, quote, an idea, custom, or institution held to be above criticism. And it's the above criticism piece that's crucially important here, at least in relation to the definition of sacred cow and to what I'm trying to explore here. So things that are above criticism. Something that's above criticism is typically a protected interest. And a good example of this, I think at least, and it knits in nicely what I've been talking to of late, is what the brain can and can't do. So I'm going to go back and just go over very quickly the three component parts that I've decided to separate the brain into. You could do thousands of them, okay? So this is, this isn't a fucking, this ain't no degree course, okay? I'm crudely dumbing all of this down for my benefit and anybody else that's trying to follow me. So the way I've described it is there's three main components to your brain. There's pretty much the tip of your spine that sticks into the back of your head. That's your brainstem. You're looking at heartbeat, heart pressure, the muscles that look after swallowing and shitting, really, really basic base level stuff, okay? That's in the brainstem. Then behind that in humans, there's what's called the cerebellum, and that's more movement orientated. But it's not it's not so much conscious movement. If I want to walk from one end of the room to the other, I don't have to consciously think of contracting my glutes or my hamstrings or my calves. That all just kind of happens automatically without my conscious awareness of it. So it's unconscious movements, so to speak, that happen in the cerebellum. And then there's the newer part called the cerebrum, which is the thinking part of the brain. And it does control movement as well, but fine motor movements, like, you know, threading a... Uh, threading a thread through a needle and, and things like that. It's also speech and thought and language and the, the higher order functions. Your body temperature then will be controlled by your cerebellum. And the, the status quo here is that anything that's under your cerebellum's control is out of your control. It's, it's subconscious. Okay, we, we can't we can't willfully just change our body temperature or we can't stop a swallow halfway or leave it leave it in a particular place in our in our esophagus we gulp and it goes all the way down now it doesn't fall down it's pushed down and not by the one muscle movement it's pushed down by multiple muscle movements that you don't have conscious control of and that's basically the that's basically it but along comes Mr. Wim Hof and he blows all that apart. And the one thing that I'm going to focus on here, and I'm not going to go into it in too much detail because it's just a, an, an aside basically. My understanding of Wim Hof is that he can raise the temperature in one of his hands. So you could put two thermometers into his hands, he can hold them and he'll make one thermometer read hotter than the other. And that's because his claim, at least, is that you can consciously access the parts of the brain 
that science has told us we don't have access to. And it, it this kind of knits nicely with an analogy that I've used before in relation to the mind and the brain. Sorry, the mind and the soul, should I say. What I've said about the mind and the soul is they're inextricably linked, but they don't have direct access to, to one another. So your mind is all language, it's all thought, and your soul is more emotive. It's gut feelings and instinct. And all that gut feeling and instinct stuff, I've described it before by saying that it's as if it's behind a door that says staff only and you don't work there. But Wim Hof is a bit of a cheeky cunt and he doesn't give a fuck that he doesn't work there. And he just has a little sketch around, sees no one's looking, stays to himself, what's the fucking worst that could happen? And off he goes and has a little fucking peek because we all like, we all love that, you know, going behind the door that says staff only, that there's something about it. And that's what I think I want to focus on because before I set up my business, which is essentially a controlled growing environment business, as you could imagine, I went far and wide and asked as many different people who I thought might be of benefit to ask. And I asked them the question, you know, what did, what did they think? Was I on the right track? Was I on to something? Or was this just a fucking dead end? Or what was the story? And every single last person that I asked to a man said that it couldn't be done. And all of their logic was essentially, not always specifically this, but essentially that if it could be done, it would be, it, it would be done. And the fact that it wasn't happening led everyone else to assume that it couldn't be done. Now, I said, fuck that noise, and went and tried it anyway. And to cut a long story short, it's been a success. Happy fucking days. But this, this, there's a, this sacred cowness. Other people have it, but we have it ourselves, and, and I have it. I had it with the Pine Martin. I picked up a dead, I picked up several dead Pine Martins off the side of the road. Three, four in total. Three of which are still in my freezer. One of which I skinned. But the three that I've I've had in the freezer, I've had them fucking coming on two or three years now. And the reason that I haven't dissected them and done an autopsy on them and, for want of a better term, played around with them, the reason I haven't done that is because I have a little voice inside my head that says things like, don't be weird, Frano. Don't be going picking up dead animals off the road, Frano. What will people think, Frano? And that's an important voice that you should probably listen to more than you ignore. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't ignore it from time to time. And that shouldn't mean, that certainly shouldn't mean that you shouldn't question it. Because we do, we, we all have these aversions to doing things that are kind of outside the norm. Past guest in front of the show, Pat O'Reilly, he got the idea into his head before that wouldn't it be a great little country if you could only put a roof over it? But he took that to heart and he literally encapsulated his entire back garden in glass. He put a roof on his back garden, a glass roof on his back garden and effectively has extended his house. Now he has a fucking savage sunroom that heats the house up in the winter if nothing else and it's just a lovely place to be during the summer. And then when it pisses rain, you can have your back doors. He has double doors at the back door. He can open them out wide to the quote-unquote outside, which is obviously covered in glass, when it's pissing rain outside. And that's something that practically nobody else 
in the country or possibly the world can do. But before he did it, he deliberated like fuck over it. Because what will the neighbours think? How much is this going to fucking cost? Will the birds shit all over it? Will moss grow in it? Will it be a fucking disaster? Will water get in? Will it be just the biggest fucking ball ache ever? And then there was planning implications. Would he be able to sell his house? Would it increase or decrease the value? There was all these different roadblocks that he was given by other people and that he no doubt created himself. But he bit the bullet and did it anyway. And that was fuck. Ten years ago. And it's just been the best decision he's ever made. And it's just a good example of how you shouldn't always listen to the little voice. It's no harm to listen to him. I'm not saying don't listen to the voice inside your head. But what I am saying is you should question the voice inside your head. Before I started training in mixed martial arts, I was living with a a friend of mine. Shout out to Baz Fitzgerald. Hi, Baz. And... Myself and Baz started watching a programme called The Ultimate Fighter. And the idea or the premise of The Ultimate Fighter TV programme was that you get 10 or 15 guys who were amateur fighters and you put them all into a house, kind of a reality TV style thing. My understanding is it's the longest running reality TV show of all time, The Ultimate Fighter. I check it out, it's fucking deadly. But the premise is you get 10 or 15 lads, they all live in this house together, they all train together, but then, and there's two coaches. So let's say there's 20 fighters. There's two coaches who are always famous UFC fighters. Each one of them had 10 lads that they were going to look after and train. And then a guy from each team would fight each other once a week or twice a week or whatever it was. I can't remember the exact details of it. And at the end of it, the two guys, the two last men standing would fight together. And the winner of that would get a a shot at the UFC and becoming a a proper fucking professional fighter. Savage, bro. But what I loved about it was the people that were in it, the episode, I think it was season, fuck, was it season 11 maybe that I watched? could have been I don't know it was the England versus America one I think it was the first time that they did that they got 10 English lads and 10 American lads and Michael Bisping who was a UFC fighter at the time he was the coach for the English lads and then Dan Henderson who was an American fighter at the time he coached the American lads and at the finale the two coaches fight as well I think they headline a show but the interesting thing about it for me was and what really hooked me into it Was the, was the English lads. Because I had seen the UFC before. And I watched fighters being interviewed after fights. And for the most part they were American, Brazilian. Oh, a few Japanese guys maybe. But, but Americans and Brazilians dominated. The odd Mexican maybe thrown in. To me as an Irish person. Foreigners. And that always othered them slightly so UFC fighters were were larger than life characters and were kind of out on their own and over there and they lived in America and and Brazil and you know they had year-round tans or they were black or they were they were they were just very different to me in many respects 
And that always kind of separated me from them. Wrongly so, but that's just the way it panned out. But the English lads, they were all, you know, as near as makes no difference to me. Like, I think Ross... Fuck, I can't think of a surname. Pearson. Ross Pearson, I think, was um, was a scouser. And at the time, I was quite a Liverpool fan. So I had a connection with him. And I just, I just liked him because I got him. I could relate to him. He was... He may as well have lived down the road from me. I felt like I could have went to school with him. He, the English guys, they just seemed normal. Like, by my standards, they seemed normal. And the American guys, as I said, they weren't normal by my standards. Now, of course, if I lived in America, the English lads would have been foreigners. They would have been weird. They would have had funny accents and more tattoos than I'm fucking familiar with and, and all the rest of it, and they would have been different. But as an Irishman, they were far, far closer to me than they were the other guys. And at the start of the show, I just assumed the Yanks had knocked seven shades of shite out of them because what would the English know? Because again, I had this elevation of the Americans. You know, I envisaged, you know, American wrestling gyms and uh, a history of all this and, and blah, blah, blah. But in, in England, you know, and in Ireland, ugh, we don't really have that kind of heritage, you know, not so much. So I was sure that the, the Yanks were just going to murder all the English lads. And... It's not that the reverse happened. It certainly wasn't that the English lads all battered the fuck out of the Yanks. But they certainly were on the same playing field. I can't remember exactly who even won, never mind which team had more winners than the other team. But the take-home was that we can compete against these American cons no bother. And that was a huge, big fucking eye-opener for me. That was class. That was... A, that was I had this, maybe not a sacred cow but a, or a protective interest, but I had this traditional status quo, consensus, common knowledge, call it what you want, that Americans could do great things and Russians could do great things. and Because they were all, I was othering them. I was separating myself from them. I didn't see them as just my fellow man. I didn't see them as fellow humans. I didn't think less of them by any stretch of the imagination. If, if anything, I actually thought that they could do more than me. But what I'm getting to here is, when I started watching this programme with Baz, after every episode, there was just something in my head that said, I could do that. Like, you know, really, like, I, 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 I could give that a go. And I remember floating with Baz, and he just laughed. Laughed his fucking ass off. And it's funny because he continue to laugh for years after to this day every time I meet the man which isn't that often but to this day every time I meet him he goes alright Frano you hard yet because he used to take the piss out of me for thinking that I was hard that's why I wanted to do it to, to become a hard man and he used to take the piss out of me out of it but he had that consensus common knowledge traditional view of things which most people had. Like I, I told most people at the time that I did kickboxing or martial arts or something. I didn't say MMA because people didn't know what it was. And then when you started to explain it, they either didn't know or had a really negative connotation to it. And it was just easier to say that you were doing karate or something. But that was just an instance, as, as well as the business, whereby I kind of went against that herd mentality for want of a better term that voice in your head that says oh no don't do that like like most men in Ireland let's say probably have a little voice in their head that says that they shouldn't do you know Irish dancing or that their son shouldn't do Irish dancing or that their son 
they wouldn't want their son to become, I don't know, a fucking hairdresser or a gynecologist or anything that's not kind of typical. Because there's something in all of us that we want to, you know, keep our head below the parapet, not piss off anybody, not to not do anything too mad. Like like walk down the walk down a street in any fucking town, village, or city in Ireland, and count the amount of people that are wearing orange trousers, or pink trousers, or purple hats, or shoes with feathers sticking out of them. You know, none. We're all in jeans, we're all in the same fucking shoes and runners and t-shirts for the most part. Like, there might be a mild variance between colours and shades and brands. But for the most part, we all wear the same fucking clothes, we all eat the same fucking food, and we're all very much the same. And that don't get me wrong, that's not all bad. Okay, there's there's method to that madness. But it's it's limiting. And if you're the type of person that needs to kind of stick his head above the parapet and take risks and to kind of boldly go if you've got that in if you've got that inside you and you don't let it out it will eat you alive and not in a good way it will consume you you will wither on the vine having a want in you to break a norm or to diverge from what's more common whether it be writing a song or a poem or performing a song or setting up a podcast or playing guitar or running a marathon backwards or a pink pair of trousers whatever the fuck it is it doesn't matter what it is but if it's something that kind of goes against the curve maybe you're in a shop and you're look you're you're shopping for a jumper and you you go fuck me that's a nice jumper but i won't buy it because i look different than everybody else but i really fucking want it it's class it's me it speaks to me Jesus, I'd love to buy it. But you don't, because it's purple with yellow spots or whatever the fuck. My contention is that if you don't be that part of yourself, you're you're essentially like an extroverted person that's in solitary confinement. There's there's something that makes you you you're not servicing. And if you're not servicing it, it's just going to choke you up from the inside out. And you're never going to be able to fully appreciate who you are or what you could be. And the later in life you learn this, the harder it's going to be to kind of book the trend. The other side of this then is different types of people and different communities and different groups think differently. So if all your mates are LGBTQ plus one heads, then it'll be very easy for you to put on the, the pink pair of trousers. Or if, but in that same group, it mightn't be as acceptable to shave your head with a knot blade, grow a beard and get sleeve tattoos. But you'd be welcomed into the martial arts community with open arms with a look like that. Not that you wouldn't with a fucking pink pair of trousers, but I think you get the sentiment. And this is where... The, the notion of kind of sacred cows and protected interests and consensus. This is where this gets all squirrely because people will say things for a fact. But it's only for a fact to them. So if you ask anybody that works in Irish water, is the water safe? Every single last fucking one of them is going to tell you, of course it is. 
But if you ask the Coast Guard, is water safe? They're going to have a very different answer because they're looking at it from a different angle. And that's obviously just one example. We have sacred cows to beat the fucking band in this country and every other country. We have it in medicine, we have it in finance, we have it in business, we have it in education, we have it in our justice system. We, we have it everywhere. And without a, broad stand, without a broad understanding of lots of different things, you're never really going to appreciate that because for the most part we're all stuck in our own loops. Now, the beauty of being stuck in a loop is you get to know that loop very well. I'm not like that. I'm, I'm in so many loops, I'm practically in none. So what I have is a very broad understanding of things, but I don't understand any one particular thing particularly well. And you can't have a boat with. You can't stay in the parameters of a particular discipline and go deep, 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 deep down into it and know every fucking thing there is to know about it and be an expert in your field. You can't do that and endlessly go down this rabbit hole, that rabbit hole, the other rabbit hole, come out of this one into the other one, break through a wall into another one and do what I do generally, which is jump from the brainstem to sacred cows to skinning pine martens to fucking kicking the fuck out of people. But what I would like to do is to take some of the episodes, this one being a perfect example, and just fucking nail down, drill down into specifics. Like, what are the sacred cows in the pharmaceutical industry? What are the sacred cows in banking? What are the sacred cows in government? And do a bit of a fucking expose on them, because my head is full of this stuff. And again, like I've harped on about endlessly before, all this stuff is in my head, but it's not information. I'm fucking chock full of data and this daily episode thing is really really helping me to put that data information but that's only a mid it's only a it's only a first step really what i have to do now that i've created all these episodes and i'm continuing to create more episodes is take that information and extract the narrative out of it and the idea being that if i can extract the narrative from having put my data information then i might be able to get a a better handle on on what it is that I think because I have my thoughts on everything but I don't have a broad understanding of myself if that makes sense and on that note I'll talk to you soon Pfft.